0: We have an amazing program for you. Michael Gelman, the founder and CEO of Spire Digital, a Denver-based digital product development firm that transforms business through design and technology, is joining us today. And he founded this firm uh, in 1998, and they provide strategic consulting, software development, DevOps, user experience design to some of the world's top companies. He's got some Fortune 100s on his list, and he's also helped over 400 technology startups. So he's got a really amazing... Uh, roster of folks that he's been able to work with over the last twenty years, and uh, specifically at Spire, Mike is responsible for ensuring the success of every client and every employee. He directs Spire's management, vision, strategy, and under his leadership, he's grown this company to about fifty folks, and it's been profitable from from the first day without any outside funding. And over the last twenty years, Mike has employed over four hundred people, and he prides himself on nurturing his staff and producing future leaders. Now, more recently, Mike has been selected by Colorado Biz Magazine, which is a magazine here in Colorado, as a finalist for CEO of the Year. He's held a ton of board positions with industry groups, nonprofits, and he also is uh, very active in terms of philanthropy and some uh, chosen political causes. Uh, Mike's also a sought after speaker, given lectures at the University of Denver Daniels College of Business, the University of Colorado Leeds School of Business, and South by Southwest, among some others. He's also a published author, an avid world traveler, and self professed entrepreneurial nerd. So we're really excited about having Mike on our program today. Hey,
1: thanks so much, Brent. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So, Mike, why did you start Spire Digital?
1: Uh, you know, I started Spire so long ago, it's hard to remember. Really, I, what I can say is I was a young guy, I was living out in New York, I was making monster movies, and I just discovered the internet. This was 90, 95-ish, 94-ish, and it was really just a just a geek world, and, um, and a lot of the people who were using the internet were avid fans of different things like monster movies, and my boss said, hey get in there and, and learn the internet, and I did. And then once I learned what it was, I said, this thing has legs. And uh, next thing you know, I wake up and I have a web development firm. It just sort of happened. And then I worked really hard for the next couple of years trying to get clients and trying to convince people to use the internet and use it for their business. And suddenly the world changed and everybody knew about the internet and I was, uh, I was the guy who was there. So it was just a just a string of really good timing and and following my passion, which was um, which was the internet and emerging technology.
0: And, and I definitely want to go into some of those early days of the business. But can you tell me a little bit more about what you were making monster movies means?
1: <laughs> I worked for a company called Troma. I don't know if um, if. All of your listeners know who they are, but they're known for such wonderful films as Class of Newcomb High, The Toxic Avenger, Tromeo and Juliet, and uh, Cycle Sluts from Hell. My, The movie I was working on last was, was Tromeo and Juliet, which became a cult classic, obviously based on the William Shakespeare classic, but turned into a monster film. And it actually was a really great experience for me because... I learned everything I needed to know about running a startup, running a bootstrapped company, and getting things done and getting it distributed to all sorts of different people. So it was, a, it was an un, unbelievable place to be, and I'm still actually friends with the, the director slash owner, Lloyd Kaufman. He's a little bit of a, of a star in some circles. So that was where I was, and, and that was where I parted when I got into technology.
0: So monster movie to digital agency, uh, that's a, it's a very logical transition. What was that first client that you had? Like what, what was the thing that actually gave you, I mean, I assume you, when you started the business, did you have a customer even, or did you just like say, I'm going to have a business now and do this and then go find your first customer?
1: You know I had a friend who was who was hiring me to post on news groups that was uh, that was how long ago this was so that that was kind of a client and and I just started getting out there and saying, hey do you do you have a website I, I posted in our local entertainment newspaper a, a small ad on their back page. Uh, I'm sure people have heard of back page now but back then you could post anything you want and um, I said, do you need a website? And I started talking to people, and people would call me when they knew what a website was and thought that uh, that they needed it. So I did that for, for about two years. I actually, one of one of my sales techniques was to cold call through the phone book. That was brutal. But it was enough to, to keep me rolling and keep me in business and keep me eating. Uh, I had a, a couple of employees who lived across the hall from me. They, they happened to be fresh out of prison and... They were excited to have a job, and I was excited to give it to them. We did well. You know, we did okay. But after a while, I didn't have that much money, and I was I was hoping something would push me further. And I got a call from a guy who was at Samsonite, and he said, I have no work for you, but let's talk. So we ended up talking for the next six months or so, and, um, and he was building a dot-com. And he said, I've raised the money. I want you to build the site, and he gave me $450,000, and I built one of the, or my company, my team, built one of the first dot coms in the world. It was a company called eBags, which is still around now. They're actually doing, they do about $150 million a year. They're the second biggest seller of luggage in the world outside of Walmart, and um, they became my first client. After that, it was kind of there weren't many companies who could build dot coms, and we got a reputation throughout the country, and we went from there.
0: Tell me a little bit more about these uh, neighbors that were recently from prison. I don't hear that every day.
1: Yeah, you know, I had a couple of uh, I had these these ex cons, and they were they were great guys, and they knew a lot more about the internet than I did, and I was more than willing to give them a shot. And they were the ones who, who did all the work while I was out selling. So I'll I'll always remember uh Howie and Jay as my uh as my first employees and people who really taught me what I was doing.
0: Are these guys still with Spire? Sadly, they're both dead. Wow. Okay. Didn't didn't <laughs> see that coming. Yeah, me
1: neither. But they're 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 alive in my heart and in the history of Spire.
0: So how does one get a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar deal as a very early stage break with just themselves and a couple of ex-cons working for them because that that just seems like was the internet just that different in the mid 90s
1: it really was and, and when it when it came down to it you needed people to get the work done I mean the, the, it, it always still is the value of um, of an application comes from how many people have to be involved it's not like you're just you know randomly, putting together the numbers. And when we quoted the $450,000, it most certainly wasn't just me and the and the two ex-cons. You know, it, we put together a real team. We did what was necessary to get this site launched in six months and get out there as the market was, was just growing. When our client, John Nordmark, hired us, he trusted me and he knew that I could do what it takes to get this built. And that's what it really came down to, it was trust, and the belief that I could, I could do what I said I could do. And I delivered. And, and that's how, how come I was able to continue 19 more years after that in business.
0: What do you think you did to get John to trust you?
1: Hey, I don't know. I was a, I was a young guy. But I was sincere and I think I'm, I'm still sincere. When it comes down to it, I have a, a philosophy at Spire. And it, it, it's similar to Google's uh, Don't Be Evil. Mine is Always Be Good in every way. I do want to take care of people. I want a positive output for our clients. I want a positive output for our, our employees as well. In general, I'm not a jerk and um, and I'm not in this just for the money. I'm in this to create success in every way and I, I, th- I hope that's what, what John got from me. Add to that, there weren't many other people out there who were doing it so I think he didn't have a lot of options but and you know, I, I definitely hope that I convinced him with my you know with my sincerity and my my true desire to do great work for him.
0: Can you paint me a picture of what it's like to walk into Spire Digital today?
1: It, there's a lot of action over here. We're actually in the Rhino area. I know you, I know you've been here a few times. You actually brought some of your your students. Spire has action all the time. We we've set it up so people can work wherever they want how they want. There's lots of areas where people can go into their own room and and have some privacy or they can bring ten people into a room and hang out. Um, we have mini conference rooms, we have giant conference rooms, we have nap rooms so so people can take a break and sleep. We have food all over. We have a great, great rooftop patio where people can go and hang out and work outside when the weather is nice like today. It's a place for innovation, it's a place for ideas, and it's a place where, where people can really collaborate well. Yeah, if you if you talk to any technology, you're gonna hear pretty much the same thing. But there's a reason you hear that, because it works. We don't want our people to get too bogged down in in structure or or just humdrum kind of, you know, corporate structure.
0: Whose idea was the Nap rooms?
1: It was definitely me. I uh, if you if you look up Mike Gelman and, and nap, you'll find several articles on uh, on napping and how I'm a big proponent of it. But when it comes down to it, there are, there are so many so many articles about the the benefits of napping, and I've always been a napper. And I think that I don't care when you work, I don't care how you work, as long as you work well and you do your job. So if somebody wants to take a nap by all means, go down there and, and relax. I think that my philosophy is that people should be as creative and, um, and as sharp as they possibly can be. So whatever that takes, they should be doing.
0: Has that philosophy ever cost you anything or have you had any issues, uh, maintaining that kind of open minded philosophy?
1: Not at all. We, uh, we do unlimited PTO here and, what, ever since we put the unlimited PTO policy in place, we've actually had less people taking time off. The same goes for napping. The same goes for work from home when you want. You know, you really have to trust your employees, and if you trust them, they'll trust you, and they'll give you the best that they that they have. So I can't ever say that anything that we've done by being lax and and forward thinking and progressive has ever come in and. Bit us in the behind
0: what's the current headcount at spire about 40 people what are what's kind of some of the the breakdowns in terms of like job title job descriptions like who are sure. who are your teams
1: well I'm the the CEO and uh, and chief evangelist and uh, and cheerleader and um, and then we have a couple of other executives at the top who are who are leading the rest of the teams uh, we have our, our VP of business development we have our VP of product, and we have our CFO, and we have our CTO, and then beneath them, you know, you have your uh, you have your account managers, business analysts, product owners, web developers. Let's see, web designers, uh, UX designers, and what else am I missing? And visual designers. So that's kind of that's kind of the whole breakdown of our team, and it really works well.
0: Who are some of the clients that, uh, I mean, I don't know if you can talk about all your clients, but who are some of the, the names that uh, our listeners might recognize in terms of who Spire gets to work with?
1: We've been really lucky that we we work with so many different names, you know, from 50 Cent and David Letterman back when he was, uh, he was actually working to AT&T and DaVita and Experian to Dish Network and Toys R Us to the Army, Navy, and USDA. So, you know, we have a, a lot of really cool uh, big names. And then beyond that, you have all sorts of startups and great entrepreneurs and in and the web and, and mobile and IoT space, people that you may never hear of, people that you, you know, companies that you may never hear of and companies that you'll hear of every day in the future. So it's, um, It's a really fun place to be we love working with um such a broad spectrum of clients
0: what's it like to work with 50 cent oh man he's uh he's great
1: (laughs) you know it's uh it's exciting it's uh it's very interesting i have found though you know that that when you're working with people in the entertainment industry you know they have just the same types of problems that as people do in you know insurance industry I mean, they have customers that they that they need to reach. They have messages that they want to get out, and they have technology that they want to use to make businesses better. So, um, whether they're whether you're a rapper or um, you know or you're Renaissance, it's uh, it's all technology.
0: I imagine people like Fifty Cent who is kind of like a brand and he has lots of people that make his brand and his many, many businesses successful. Like, is he the one that's coming into like the board meeting and like the stand-up meetings around like his project or is it like, is it like 50 cent people?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean it's, it's as the case with, with other clients, you know, the CEO is not coming into every meeting. You have people working for them, but occasionally you get to meet them and, and we've met some, some really amazing let's just say, CEOs or or names of the companies, from Charlie Ergen at Dish to my pal Luke Beatty uh, who ran AOL for the past uh, several years to David Letterman.
0: Do you feel like your early big client success or your early start with people like eBags kind of set the stage, like set the bar really high for you for kind of who you expect to work with? Because I feel like there's people that spend a decade trying to break into that level of clients. Did you just set out from the beginning and say, "Hey, we're going to work with you know big names and big ideas and big products," or is it just kind of like totally random?
1: Well, remember, it took me two years until I until I got e-bags, and I've been working on really really small projects before that, and um, and then it was the dot com days, which I don't think that we'll ever see anything like that ever again. So I had four years from eBags to um, till the dot-com bust to really you know determine what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be, and um, and the types of clients that I wanted. But after the dot com bust, I really had to uh, to reinvent myself and reinvent the company. And and for me, once again, I don't necessarily say that I look for a certain type of client. What we look for are certain types of needs and companies that require what we offer. And that's, you know, real high-level innovation consulting and a team that can get things done very quickly and help startups and enterprise businesses get to the next level, change the game, uh, you know, really dig deep into a market. So we we look for our – we like certain clients, but we're not necessarily looking – For those
0: clients. When you say we won't see that again in terms of the dot com kind of boom and bust, the image that comes to mind is like, you know, conquering the West or whatever, like early colonization of, of, of countries or something like that, you know? Like, wh- is it just that, that like nobody really knew it was going on and there was massive amounts of money? Because I feel like there's, today there's like really, really well-developed products. There's tons of agencies out there. There's so much money being spent on internet and web infrastructure today. I, I feel like it's more than was what was being spent back in, in the 2000s. Was it just that people didn't really know what was what to do with it at that time?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean to bring back to the uh, wild west metaphor you were using. It was a gold rush, but nobody was selling picks and shovels. So, now there's lots of money being spent, but there's lots of people spending it for you. Back then, you know, I mean, like I said when we when we launched some of the first dot coms that we that we launched, we were, you know, one, probably one of three or four companies in Colorado, and maybe 50 companies in the world who were doing what we did. That's what made it so much fun for us, and why there was so much opportunity now. I think demand for what we do is going to continue to grow. It's just being served. And now you have to differentiate a lot more. And you have to, you know, if you're going to survive, you have to provide a better service offering. And you have to continuously get better at, at doing what you do.
0: Tell me a little bit more about what hunkering down and surviving meant for you in the uh, uh kind of the 2007-ish recession like was that just did you guys have to like cut back on people did you have to pivot what what did that mean for you guys
1: yeah i mean you you have to sell harder you have to spend less money you have to make sure that you have access to cash and you just have to sort of save the profits that you get when you get them and really be forward thinking in what you're selling and how you're selling it at that time, if, if people aren't spending money on what they were spending before, you have to get creative and you have to make partnerships. And, you know, I, I, I really have to say that I learned so much from 2002 that in, in 2008, we really, it, the, the hunkering down was a lot easier and it didn't last that long. So that's a, you know, that's a testament to knowledge and a testament to the team that I have and, uh, and the value of time.
0: You mentioned a couple of things about getting more creative to kind of get through those hard times, and then you also said uh, the word partnerships. So, what do you what do you guys do uh, in terms of partnerships that help your business?
1: Well, I can give a, a really great example, and that um, you know, and that happened around 2007. Uh, we were approached by AT and T. They said this iPhone is coming out, and We don't know that much about it, but we know it's going to be big, and we know that we have um, exclusivity on it. So can you work with us and develop iPhone apps for our business clients? This sounded like a really good opportunity, but we had no idea how to build web apps or mobile apps uh, or even really what apps were, but we said yes. And eventually we, we we learned how to build apps, and we became one of the earliest leaders in that industry. So by being open to new opportunities, by being open to b- building a relationship with a new company, we had a big head start on mobile. And it also got us in there with a lot of big clients who we would never have. So I think my, my whole point is that um, you talk to people, you build relationships, you ask them what they're doing and how they're doing it. And, and, how you can be involved, and you might end up having the iPhone and iPhone development as part of your company.
0: How, how does one get that, I don't know, I'm going to say lucky, to get AT&T to literally call you up and say, uh, we'd like you to develop something that either is just about to be launched or, or is is going to be launched. I mean, that seems like a you got the early notice on that, which is pretty incredible. Sure,
1: sure. Yeah, that was, I mean... It was good luck, but but you make your own luck. I think that a lot of that has to do with sincerity and and spending time with people and making friends and being genuinely curious about what people are doing. That was the way that I met the folks at AT and We had connections within the company who, who knew people over there, and we just built that relationship over time. We we liked what they were doing and we wanted to get to know them better. But some of the some of the best friends and partners that we have you know have grown just because we want to know people and we want to we want to work with good people
0: a lot of young and early stage agency owners are really struggling to keep their head above water why do you think that there's companies that just can't seem to to get those initial clients and then there's folks like you who have been able to weather you know 20 years of storms like is there any aha moments or something that you're you think that you know best guess that you're doing differently that some folks could learn from
1: well i'm probably not trying hard enough (laughs) you know (laughs) i mean i uh like i said when i when i got started before i got a big client i went through the phone book uh, the Yellow Pages, and I wasn't going to quit until I got enough clients to actually have a business. And I think that's what it takes. You could be in whatever situation you want to you want to be in, and if you're not there, then then you're not trying hard enough. That's all I can say. Um, young young companies they need to work extra hard, and they need to get out there, and they need to know everybody. I have a philosophy that you never eat alone. And if you, if you have lunch with, you know, five people a week and you have, uh, you have coffee with five more, you're going to be successful. You're going to people are going to know what you do and people are going to send work to you. So do that.
0: And so I assume that's something you're, you're still continuously meeting with people. Is that just like potential clients? Is it just like anybody that is willing to have lunch with you? Like, what does that look like for you right now?
1: It could be a client, it could be a competitor, uh, you know, a contact, an employee, or just somebody who, who who seems interesting. The key is get to know people, listen to them, hear what they're doing, see how you can connect them, see what you can do for them, and not just within your company. Be be genuine about who you're hanging out with and and what you can do for them, and and it just works out. You build such a network that way. Anybody who comes on my team, especially on the account side, I say. I say, get together, schmooze. Some of my closest friends do exactly what I do, but there's little intricacies and things that they want that I don't want, and I've had some of our biggest clients come through people who do what we do. So get together, learn from from your competitors and, and people in neighboring businesses. Just get out there and don't be shy.
0: I don't know if it was last year or the year before that you guys did a big kind of brand shift. You went from Spire Media to Spire Digital. What was the what was the catalyst behind that?
1: When we started this industry, the the web development, web application development industry was called new media. In case uh, you might remember, but some of your listeners might might not remember, um, it was just that encompassed what we did, and it was uh, it was a great term, and and that's why we named ourselves. After that, media just became sort of an, a a term to um, term to describe digital marketing firms, uh, PR firms, obviously content firms, and it had nothing to do with application development. So I wanted to I wanted to be clear. I think everything that we try to do at Spire is is you know based on clarity and and really being straightforward and and simplicity. So. We felt that that changing our name was necessary to the marketplace and necessary to us, and it's really worked out well. Uh, there's no confusion anymore on what we do, how we do it, who we do it for, and it's it's served us well.
0: Was there any fear around changing your brand? That I mean, it was a, it was a small change. It wasn't like a major name change, but it was still changing part of your name. You know, was there any hesitancy or uncertainty about that? That you had to get through in order to, to make that happen?
1: Yeah, I think we I think we covered our bases and hedged our bets. We, you know, by keeping the spire, I think that was really the the key to our brand that people knew about. I don't even I don't think there was any hesitancy. I think that what what it ended up being was a nice refresh and I think it was a great opportunity to speak to people and, and explain who we are now. Um, the people that we haven't seen in a long time, um, or haven't known us for a long time. So it, it, it really worked that well.
0: What's one thing that is exciting you about Spire Digital today?
1: You know, we've, we've really fully shifted our focus to full life cycle digital product development. And instead, it beyond just, uh, just application development, we're doing business analysis, innovation consulting, product val- validation, market validation, de- design labs. Agile Consulting, just about anything you can imagine to launch a new technology product. And it's working really well. like it's 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 something that I'm more excited than I've ever been. And we're building MVPs for startups, uh, game changing, paradigm shifting new products for enterprise businesses, and really, and helping emerging companies hone technology for new contracts, clients opportunities. It's just it's just a time where the service offering that we have is necessary. And I am so grateful to have figured that out and, you know, determined that the market is willing to pay for it.
0: A lot of agency owners tell me that they're really concerned about commoditization and that, you know, and competition. And the things that you just listed off that you guys are excited about seem like really complex, deep, strategic things. Are are you finding that as you continue to kind of pivot and and follow these new trends that your services are becoming more and more valuable every day or is is commoditization at some levels affecting you guys?
1: Well, I think commoditization has pushed us to where we are. You could always hire a contractor. You could always hire somebody to come in-house you could always hire somebody from, you know, from Argentina or, or India or Russia to do application development. What we bring is this process and these thinkers and these minds that are going to build a business. They're not just going to build an application. So commoditization has gotten us where we are, um, and we don't even consider that a concern at all. We're really happy that it's pushed us in this direction.
0: I know you've talked to me in other interviews about how you guys really saw mobile as a kind of where the puck is moving, and you you went for it, and that's been a huge reason why you guys have been successful in the last you know decade or so. Where do you think the puck is moving now? Like, what do you think is the the trend or the vision for the future of our industry?
1: Well, I- IoT is is obviously Internet of Things. For those of you who don't know, is obviously really, really hot. And I think there's a lot of innovation over the next 10, 15 years that we're going to be seeing, simply because, if you think about it, how you know, not a lot of people have a lot of devices in their home. And soon, that's going to change. All new devices are going to be built with an IoT element. And pretty soon, the home is going to be fully connected. Then you see, like, Alexa, and how Alexa's just really, really caught on what the iPhone was to smartphones, I think Alexa is to IoT. And we're just seeing big things that are coming. But in general, you know, you have the cloud and 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 you really have the fact that all applications are going to have to work everywhere, whether it's, you know, in your home, whether it's in your car, whether it's on your phone, or whether it's on your desktop, there's just a merging and they're all just connected technologies. And that's going to be That's going to be progressing constantly for a very long time. And things are going to be getting better. And you really need to just be open to what's out there, what technologies are popping up, uh, what ways you can build things quicker, and and how you can provide more and more to your customers. Beyond that, I'm just really excited for autonomous vehicles so I don't have to drive. I hate (laughs) driving, and it would be really nice to be able to drive to and from work and, and sit in the back of the car and work.
0: So how does a digital agency, because when I, when I think of what most digital agencies out there are doing, it's very like, it, it's web, it's product development, like what you're, you've been talking about, uh, digital marketing, you know, managing media, all that kind of stuff. Like, what does it mean for a digital agency to get into Internet of Things? Like, what are some of those types of services that they might be offering to help their clients either get into that space, take advantage of that space, leverage that space? Like, what would that look like for a digital agency?
1: Sure. Well, you know, I mean, we don't do we don't do marketing and we don't do media buying and things like that. But I can guarantee you that the the digital ad industry will get involved in in IoT very soon if it's not already. You know, there's always going to be ways to advertise on new technology. So I think it's uh, it it really comes down to listening learning watching and uh, and jumping at opportunities to be involved as far as the technology side give it a shot try you try to build something uh, build something on your own test every possibility and and learn and take classes and and just get out there and, and exploit this uh, this new world of, uh, of internet things
0: and I think for our listeners I just want to tell you guys to really pay attention to what Mike's saying because I think you've done a great job at Spire Digital uh, seeing some of those trends like mobile, like you know web development back in the day when you were doing e-bags and stuff like that. So I think you've, you've definitely played on the forefront or ahead of the curve and that's done your business really well. So next up, we have our lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? Yes. This is serious business, Mike. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what is the best advice you've ever received?
1: I would say... Join a peer group. And it's not a uh, it's not an advertisement for you gurus because I like you so much, Brent. But join something where you're going to be able to get a perspective from people who do what you do, do similar things to what you do, um, or are just smart. I've been in EO for for many years, I think 15 years. Recently I I joined YPO. I know a lot of people who are in Vistage. And I also set up an advisory board uh, a while back and brought in people who I wanted to learn from and bought them lunch and gave them some equity and, and just spent time. And all of those things that I've done have been so valuable to me for building my company and, and being well.
0: Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success?
1: Um... Showering every day, really, really <laughs> good. Nobody wants to work with somebody who smells. No, I, I, a couple of things that I mentioned before are, are you know, are really the cornerstone of, of this company and me as person. Just be good, really. Don't don't be don't be a jerk to anybody, and and take care of your clients, take care of your employees, and provide value in every way. I just can't stress that enough that. That the good people are the ones who prevail in the end. And be, like I said before, have lunch with somebody every day. You'll, you'll gain so much from that. And pay.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so Mike, you want to go to lunch? Yeah. <laughs> uh, share an internet resource, something like Evernote, that uh, you think our listeners would find valuable.
1: The, the big ones here, as, as, an, as probably um, everywhere, uh, Slack and, and Trello, uh, I've also been using Lucid chart lately. I really like that for for creating charts and sharing them and just messing around. But it, just watching what my what my competitors and what my friends and um, and people I look up to are doing is you know what what's great for me with the internet, just researching and and being open to to new things.
0: What book would you recommend to our listeners and why?
1: The Lean Startup by Eric Ries uh, basically encapsulates all the philosophies we follow here at Spire. Continuous innovation, build, measure, learn, eliminate waste. It's just simple and practical and really effective. And I think it's really relevant to the development of all technology, not, not just to startups. I also, if you want, I have uh, the rest of my canon of books that I recommend to people getting into technology. Uh, would you like to hear that? Yeah,
0: let's, let's go for it. Uh,
1: Practices of the Agile Developer, uh, Lean Software Development, The Four Steps to Epiphany, Extreme Programming Explained, Embrace Change, um, and Predictable Revenue. And that last book is great. It's um, how the, the head of sales at Salesforce.com went from a million dollars to a hundred million dollars and it's just a fascinating book on sales.
0: I have not yet read that. It's been recommended to me by a couple of people. So the third time a book is recommended, it gets to my my reading list. So I appreciate yeah. that one, Mike.
1: Might as well. It's actually, it'll be actually really good for you and that you do.
0: So uh, how can folks find out more about you and uh, you know, where can they check out information about Spire?
1: Visit our website, www.spiredigital.com. Uh, Look us up on LinkedIn under Spire Digital, Twitter. I'm at uh, M Gelman, Facebook Spire Digital Co. And uh, go to our website. We have uh, I have a great blog called SpireWire. If you want to, uh, if you want to join the list, I'm happy to send it to you. You can email me at mike@spiredigital.com.
0: I definitely want to just recommend everybody to. Uh if if you don't already get Mike's emails, uh, you send out what periodically, once a month, once it, it's, uh, once it's a not quarter. all of the time, once a quarter, okay? And uh, I, I always love getting those emails and uh, reading them. It's it's definitely um, it's great to see that. And I think you guys can kind of jump into the head of Mike and see what kind of trends or thoughts he has about the industry and about where his own company is moving. And and that's really cool insight to get. I think for folks out there.
1: Thanks, and I could say um, that's one. This is one more tip: doing an email newsletter once a quarter. Has been such a great way for me to keep in touch with uh, with clients and contacts, and uh, and to let people know who we are and, and stay relevant out there. So, if uh, if you can spare a couple of hours to write some thoughts down once a month, do it, or once a, once a quarter, do it. I
0: think a lot of people like to overcook that and turn it into like a weekly or a monthly, like I'm going to write all this stuff, but I feel like you do a really good tempo. Like it's, I think it's, it's often enough that it keeps you in front of people and uh, also not often enough that it overwhelms you or makes to where You don't actually do it. So that's cool.
1: Right. Thanks.
0: Well, Mike, we appreciate you stopping by our podcast today. It's been a great conversation. I hope we can have you on in the future and uh, wish you all the, the best of luck from our team here at YouGurus and everything that you guys do at Spire Digital. I think you guys have an amazing company and just really appreciate you taking the time to spend with us today.
1: Thanks so much, my friend. And uh, and you keep up the good work with YouGurus. Uh, so.
0: Thanks so much. Farewell. Bye. All right.